And good afternoon, and thank you for joining us on this Monday afternoon. My name is Matt Bush. I'm the news director for Blue Ridge Public Radio. Next to me is Casey Blake, the opinions editor for the Asheville Citizen Times. And today we will be holding a Buncombe County candidate forum with the two candidates running for sheriff. We did invite a third candidate. We will get into that shortly. Early voting starts this Wednesday in North Carolina, October 17th, and runs through November 3rd. Those who do not register by Friday's deadline to vote can still vote during the early voting period. They will not be able to vote on Election Day, November 6th. There will be 11 early, uh, early voting sites in Buncombe County that people can vote during the early voting period. Now let's get to the forum. Joining us today are Democrat Quentin Miller and Republican Chad Higgins. We did invite Libertarian Tracy DeBrule. He did not respond to our invitations. We will start just to give you a quick update on the format for today. We will be giving each candidate will have a two-minute opening statement. They will be given 90 seconds to respond to our questions and 60 seconds for a closing statement. Thank you for joining us and let's get on with the debate. We'll start with the first opening statement and that is from Democrat Quentin Miller. Good morning. My name is Quentin Miller and I'm a candidate to become your next sheriff here in Buncombe County. I could take these two minutes I have to tell you a little bit about myself. Could tell you I'm born and raised here in Buncombe County, played football at Asheville High School and would later join the United States Army as a military policeman. I could tell you about my 25 years at the Asheville Police Department. I tell you I've been married to my wife, Karen, for the last 32 years. And we have six kids, nine grandkids, and one on the way. That's my grandchild. <laughs> uh, in addition, I could tell you that we fostered over 100 kids in our home. But that's not what I'd like to talk to you about this morning. This morning, I'd like to talk to you about October the 17th, which is this Wednesday. We are now at a place where we have to Look at who's going to be our next sheriff. Definitely important decision to be made. With the retirement of Sheriff Duncan, the stage has been set. The critical question becomes, what do we do now? I submit to you this is an opportunity for us to unite the community, law enforcement, and the local government in a way that we can now address issues that we are faced with in our community. Again, my name is Quentin Miller. I'm a candidate to be your next sheriff here in Buncombe County. Thank you. Okay. Republican Chad Higgins. My name is Chad Higgins. I'm your candidate for Buncombe County Sheriff. And uh, I wanted to tell you a little bit about me first. Um, I was born and raised here in Buncombe County. I uh, graduated from North Buncombe High School. Uh, later went to uh, criminal justice at AB Tech, um, where I didn't use any of the law enforcement. Um, I ended up just going into the work field, but what I want to tell you about, I've uh, been married 19 years uh, to my wife, Heather. Uh, we have four kids, and uh, that's what drove me to run for sheriff, the problems that we're having in Buncombe County. The drug epidemic is out of control. Um, you know, we want to live, work, and play in a safe and crime-free environment, and I think that uh, this election is the most critical sheriff's race in Buncombe County. Um, so I, I'm asking for your support starting on the 17th early voting. Uh, please get out and vote. It is very important that we get out and vote. Uh, we, we feel that with a big voter turnout that we'll be, we will be successful on November the 6th. Okay. First question will be from Casey. Yes. So we want to start off talking about one of what would be your largest um, jobs as, as sheriff, the jail the Buncombe County Jail. So right now, the jail is sitting close to its 604-person capacity at pretty much all times, or at least regularly. So we want you to just talk a little bit about what, if any, reforms you would make to the county jail system and talk specifically about what those would be. Like me to start. 
So the detention facility brings upon a couple of interesting points. I know that there's programs that are currently there. I also have uh, spoke about how do we do a job training program from the detention facility. I've been sitting with the present DA doing some conversations about how do we do diversion. So a lot of this speaks to how do we do, uh, do diversion for us, how do we move in an area in a way that we understand it. When we can't arrest our way out of some of these crises we're faced with. And we speak about the opiates, and I just feel we can't arrest our way out. So when we start looking at the bed space and how many people that are, that are currently there, we have a lot of people incarcerated because they simply can't pay the fines. We got people there that uh, can't pay for you know, their child support. So I think that one of the things that's interesting is how do we address this. So one of the things, again, is the job training program, a diversion program, and how we can stop as many people coming. And the last thing, I repeat, the last thing, I just hope that we do not have to go the way we have to build a new detention facility. But uh, I think we just need to do things in a way and in a fashion that says that we do not have to build one. And some of that's going to be diversion and helping people who are sick. Thank you. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, it being the largest part of our budget, uh, the detention center is something that, that we need to take care of. Um, it does house 604. Uh, I'm not sure the average numbers now, they're in the high 500s, I'd say, daily. Um, some of those people cannot be jailed, cannot be together, so um, it actually probably will not even hold 605. That's probably not a truly accurate number on what it will hold. But uh, I see in the future that we have no other choice but to build a new detention center. Um, our detention center is overpopulated, uh, and uh, that, that's something that we need to get to work on with the help of the county commissioners. We need to look into this. Uh, they have a ton of programs in, in the detention center, the jail diversions and behavioral health. Um, I met with them a couple of weeks ago. Me and my opponent met with them, and they probably have uh, 30, or diff 30 or 40 different uh, jail-based diversions, whether they be uh, from a nonprofit or from faith-based. Um, and I agree, we do need to help our citizens with, with uh, drug epidemics that we have and all the issues that we have going on in Buncombe County, but we are a law and order, I will be a law and order sheriff. Thank you. First question, this will go to, uh, to my first question. We'll first go to Shad Higgins. You're running in a climate of unprecedented tension, um, especially in black and minority communities, surra com communities surrounding law enforcement, and in particular, the use of force by officers. Talk specifically about your strategies for de-escalation and use of force training, and what, if any, reforms from what is currently being used now do you see are necessary? There's some positives and negatives in a de-escalation policing. It's a social experiment, and if you'll look back uh, Chicago shows definitely that uh, that the, the de-escalation policing does not work. Um, it, it will not work. They have the highest uh, murder rate in the world, in the United States, uh, and that was just a social experiment, and I'm not willing to take that social experiment. Well, when we speak about de-escalation training, I think we must understand where we are. And when I mean where we are, I think training is you know, one of the top things for me is that I believe that we need consistent, 
uh, quality training for all employees. I think that speaks to how do we now build relationships with our community. I've been telling people all along that, you know, I think of myself as the Andy Griffin guy, right? And what I mean by that is we have to get out and build relationships. So a part of what's happening or what has happened, you know, nationally as well as locally is we got to do a better job of building relationships. And I've spoke about community of we many times. We means that we have to learn to work together, treat all our people, and I say people, all our citizens with dignity and respect. So a lot of this speaks to, you know, if they've tried something some other place, I think Asheville is its own unique place. And I think that in Asheville things are somewhat different. And not just Asheville, and I want to make this clear, that when I say Asheville, I'm talking about Buncombe County. Because if we look at it, Asheville is a part of Buncombe County. People try to separate this. This is one county. You know, and when I think of this, uh, things that have happened nationally, locally, how can we get out of this? How we get out is how we come together as a community of one. One community, regardless of Republicans or Democrats, black, white, green, whatever. We got to learn to work together and treat each other with dignity and respect. Thank you. Thank you. So moving on to talking about the two of you as individuals, you both come from very different career backgrounds, one with um, extensive experience in law enforcement and one with a successful career in business. So talk a little bit about what you think your particular career experience would bring uh, to your role as sheriff. Okay. You want me to go first? Yes, you start. Okay. So I would do that by giving you guys a, a quick story, and I'll make it real quick. Well, I think about an individual that was coming out of one of our developments. He had on a pair of flip-flops and no shirt and a pair of shorts. And I approached him and I talked with him. And I ended up taking him over to Neil Dobbins for help, right? And later on, I started going to different classes with him to try to help him. For me, law enforcement is about how do we help each other. I think law enforcement needs to take the lead in doing that. I think the training experience speaks for itself. I think you have to have that. In order for us to really understand what's happening, we have to be there. We have to be out there with the people. We have to, when we start developing programs, how's it gonna affect our people? This is why I talked about doing these um, town hall meetings, because we have to have input. We have to be transparent. We have to do this again as that community of we. Again, thank you. Sure. I think that's a great question as well. Um, some of the things that I see um, is the job in Buncombe County, it being the largest sheriff's office administration in Western North Carolina, it's more of a leadership administrative position. Uh, I'm sure if, if, if most of will look into it, our current sheriff, Sheriff Duncan, that has done a fine job, he will, he, he is never out actually in the field. He is taking care of day-to-day -day business, whether it be budget, uh, whether it be the management of his team, um, but it is a staff management um, position. It is an administrative position, you know. Um, so, so I think it's a. I, ha I bring more to the table having a business, uh, having business knowledge doing this. And I, and I think me and my opponents both in the same boat. If you want, if you want to talk about experience, neither one of us have dealt with a detention center because the police department don't deal with that. Neither one of us has, have dealt with civil process because the police department don't deal with that. Neither neither one of us have dealt with court security because the police department don't do that. So so we're both new at this, and I think it's according to how you want to look at the experience. Um, 
I think that the role of a sheriff is more of a leadership position that is getting the community to work together and um, that's that's what it's about community interaction our next question we'll start with a shot on this one as sheriff what role do you want the department to play in addressing the opioid epidemic and what are some specific policies that you would propose to address this you know th this is something that we we're very different on um, I'm like I said before I'm all about law and order uh, I am about helping people and sending them to whatever diversion programs they need or, or, or get the help they need. I am about helping them, but we have to make people accountable. Um, I, I think that, uh, that my opponent says we can't arrest our way out of it. Well, we've got to start somewhere, and I think that's a problem we've got. We're just, uh, we've been very lenient on the dealers, and, and I, I would put something different in place. I would like to see us go after the small street level dealers instead of trying to get to the big guy. I think, um, like I've said before, um, if, if we take all the small fish out of a pond that, and the small fish reflecting as the street level dealers, the big fish will end up starving. And I think that's how I will approach that. Well, I think that for me, when I tell you that we can't arrest our way out, I'm not telling you we're not going to arrest people. Sometimes arrest is the first step to recovery and treatment. I'm simply saying that we must take other avenues, approaches when we deal with things. I'll be the first to tell you this is why I keep emphasizing over and over the need for people, and I say people, the community, to be at the table to help with deciding how we need to address this, how we need to move forward. This is not, this didn't happen overnight. And where we are now, it's not going to be solved overnight. We've had other strategies, strategies attempted, and in my opinion, we haven't done real well. You know, it continues, people continue to die with these the opiates crisis. And so it has to be, I'm not gonna say a one or two or three prong approach, it has to be a collective approach where we can work together. As far as specific things, I believe in the drug treatment court. I think that it's, again, an opportunity to help people to get help. You know, the question becomes, what are we doing with people who are sick? We're incarcerating them. We're putting people in prison, putting them in jail who are sick. I think we need to get them help. And part of getting help sometimes is incarceration, but it's not the only step. It's not the only way. Thank you. <laughs> Both of you coming in under time. We appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, so we want to switch gears here, talk a little bit about body cams. So Buncombe County has been using body cams and has had a policy in place since 2015, as you both probably know, um, and very few uh, revisions have been made to that policy since it went into place. What do you think the role and value of body cam footage is within you know, the national policing system and, and in Buncombe County? And what are the circumstances under which you would advocate for releasing body cam footage to the public? So I think, um, thank you for this question, because I think this is really important. I think when we start thinking about body cameras, and I think the importance of body cameras are this. It helps us with our investigations. It helps us when it comes time to go to court, or if there are any questions about what may have happened at the scene, because a lot of times, unfortunately, the trust, again, is not really... Um, great between law enforcement and the community anymore. So it becomes a question about what happened at the scene. So my idea is we do need the body cameras. We need to have them where people can see them. And I say people, the community, if need be. And I understand about the respect about 
that hindering an investigation, I get it. But I also understand that when we have these body cameras and we're not making the footage available, we also are doing something that makes you wonder, why, what are we hiding? What do we have to hide? Why don't you show it to us? So then that's a question on the opposite end. So I think we need to go back and we need to, one, look at the policy. And when we look at the policy, again, I want the community of we, the people we serve and the people that it's going to affect, they need to be at the table when we start making decisions about how we're going to proceed. Because I think, again, these uh, body cameras is very important. And we've seen what happened locally with the body cameras. And again, I just want to say this real quick. Officers, this is a tool for us because it now proves that I did what I said I did. So don't think just negative, think positive. This is a good tool for the officers. Thank you. It is a great tool for the protection of all. Um, it'll give you accurate, uh, you'll find accurate facts in that definitely. Uh, but like I said before, I'm all about law and order. And that means holding my administration accountable as well as, as the general public. It gives us an idea of what's going on out there. Uh, one thing about letting the footage get out before investigation is finished, I think that people want to jump on and make a decision about uh, a certain thing. But, you know, when they release all that the media, the media decides what they're going to show and what they're not going to show. And they're, they're probably not showing all the footage leading up to it and, and probably not showing all the footage after. So I think if, if you're going to release it, you need to release it all. And uh, we need to know what, uh, what led up to it and then what followed after. I think you need to release the whole thing if you're going to do it, but, but I, wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be opposed to releasing it, but I wouldn't do it until an investigation was finished. All right, uh, next question, we'll go to Shad first. Given the highly partisan political environment of 2018 and, and even showing maybe a bit in, in this particular election in Buncombe County, no matter which of you is victorious, it's likely you're going to inherit some level of division, not maybe just within the department you oversee, but within the community you're going to serve. So how can you address uh, a lot of the divide that exists uh, as sheriff? You know, we started our campaign, and, and our campaign, uh, our slogan is people over politics. And, and I really feel that the sheriff's position should be a nonpartisan position. Uh, when we get a call for service, it will not be, hey, are you Republican or Democrat? Um, it, it's about the people, and I think that's what we've got to put first is the people. Put them out front, and uh, that is our primary concern, taking care of the people of Buncombe County. I'm really, truly glad to hear that. You know, because for me, this community of we is real. When I tell you it's real, I tell you that we in law enforcement, we the community, we the local government, none of us have the single solution. We have to work together. And it doesn't matter, and I said earlier, it doesn't matter if we're Republicans, Democrat, black, white, it doesn't matter. But we have to unify our community. I think this is something different, but I think the sheriff's office is the lead in that. And why? It's because as a kid growing up, I looked up to law enforcement. You know, and I thought they was the good guys, and those are the guys who were going to, you know, help me get home, help make sure I stay safe. So when I look at that, I think again, I'm back there again, about how do we now do this again? They did it before, and the law enforcement was the lead. We need to be the lead again and reunite in our community, and that means from Barnesville to Weaverville, from Woodfin to Swannanoa. You know, it's everywhere, Asheville, everywhere. So in order for us to do that, it goes back to when I talk about how do we have town hall meetings. We got 
based on the politics, we got three different districts. All of them have three different needs. We only wait for us to address them is to get out of the cars, make contact with these different communities, and meet them where they are. Thank you. All right. So one thing that you have both advocated for at various times is increasing the number of uh, school resource officers in schools. So I want to talk a little bit about, about SROs and, and their role there. So what would be your strategy specifically to recruit and retain the best SROs in Buncombe schools? And do you think this is an area uh, that needs some work? So going back to this training experience, Okay, that was one of my roles. I was a school resource officer. I was a school resource, school resource officer supervisor. We can say that we want to put more SROs in the schools, but do we know what their jobs really are? We need to go and redefine what we want them to do. A lot of times we put people in places and we haven't decided what we wanted them to do. So we put them there. An example that I'm going to give you is a lot of times in the schools now, if two young people get into an altercation or fight, the school one is going to suspend them. Law enforcement then is going to charge them. I look at that as some type of double jeopardy, right? So the initial intent for the SROs was to build relationships where the kids would come to the SROs and have these conversations so we could prevent the fights from happening, not, you know, be reactive after it has happened. So one of the things, and you, you ask how do we do that, we need to help the, have the SROs help us rewrite what their job descriptions are. Have the school be a participant in how we, you know, what they want. And then we need to come together and decide what it is we want these SROs to do. I think that increases the idea of more SROs being there. And we can talk about money and all you like, but the bottom line with these SROs is they're there because they care about our most valuable <laughs> element, and that's our kids. That's why they're there. So the SRO must care about his kid, care about the kids in order for us to start putting there. And also to keep them safe, we gotta have them better trained. Sorry about that. I think uh, right now in Buncombe County, there's 41 schools in Buncombe County that we're responsible for. And we, with the six new increased, uh, we're to 27 SRO officers in 41 different schools. So I think that's big. And uh, I, I tell you what, unfortunately, it was a closer vote at the commissioner's meeting. I was uh, at that meeting and it was a 4-3 uh, vote on adding the six officers, and that was actually taking a $333,000 grant from the state. All we had to do was match it dollar for every one of their two, and it was a 4-3 vote. So that disappointed me and the ones that voted for uh, not, not adding school resource officers. But uh, I think they impact our kids' lives so much, and, and some of the things that I look at we're doing right now um, Apparently, we're not doing it totally right because I think when we get a kid that's in high school, we can't reach that kid as well as we can reach it in elementary school. And I think we need interaction with our officers in elementary schools uh, to establish trust and, and, and let them establish that they're their friends. Um, I, I look to, uh, when elected, uh, to let my parole officers make it mandatory one day a week that they go to a local elementary school, a, a county elementary school, and eat lunch with that student or with, with a group of students. But uh, I think that that's something that we got to look at. Our kids are our future. Why do we go to the courthouse and we're protected at the courthouse and, and then we can't protect our kids at school? So that, that's a question I have for everybody. We, we protect our adults, but we don't protect our kids at school. Why?
Well, we're on to our final question before we get to closing statements. And the final question, the Sheriff's Department in neighboring Henderson County takes part in the federal 287G program, which is a partnership with the Federal Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Would you support joining that program? And as Sheriff, how would you reach out to the growing Im immigrant community in this area? We'll start with Shad. Uh, let's make this clear. I am not for sanctuary cities, period, sanctuary counties, period. Um, but I will not sign a 287G agreement. And the reason I will not sign that agreement, I've done my research on it, it will cost the county taxpayers $8 million annually. Um, we house those prisoners for an average of 44 days at $140 a night. Uh, at our taxpayers' dollars, we have to get all of our guys certified ICE at our tax dollars. We, after we end up detaining them and we're going to transport them, we end up transporting them to Atlanta on our dollar. Everything we do is costing our county money and we're not, I don't think we should share that financial burden at the time. Uh, I think there's ways to police it and do it. Um, I'm not about going out here and setting up checkpoints to check illegals. I don't think that's right at all, but if we do have a uh, illegal that is caught up in some kind of major drug activity or, or, or gets a DUI after a fatality, uh, those, are the, those are the ones that I want to deport. I will get after deporting the ones that's causing trouble here, but I am for everyone um, trying to better their life. Um, and, and I encourage everybody, I, I welcome everybody to, to Buncombe County, but let's do it in the right way. But uh, I'll say again that I do not support a 287G just because of the financials. And uh, you might want to check into it. I'm not 100% sure, but I feel pretty sure that Henderson County is actually going to drop their 287G agreement. Well, I made this clear before. I'm just saying, let me be absolutely clear that I would not sign the 287. Uh, I appreciate the financials of why not, but for me the why not is we're incarcerating people without legal representation. We're incarcerating people and we're taking them away from their families. We have no idea where we're taking them to a lot of times. So when this happens, you know, and I start thinking about this really hard because this has happened before, right, but it wasn't necessarily taking people away. We went and, you know, picked people up and brought them to America. So I speak of that in a way that uh, I'm strong about people's you know, rights to, um, one, their rights to legal representation. I speak to you about just the legal system being right for all people. And I do tell you, I will tell you, that the sheriff, Duncan, never signed one. And so that's not my intent to sign one. I'm even wanting to ask people, how do we now move forward in helping, you know, we have the dreamers. I'm just going to put it to you that way, the dreamers. And I think that we need to really, really look at how we are treating, again, how we treat people overall. Well, thank you. You've answered all of our questions, and we'll now go on to closing statements. You both have been very good at keeping time during the debate, so uh, we were initially going to do, let you have 60 seconds for a closing statement, but we can stretch that out. You can both have two minutes for uh, closing statements today. And again, thank you so much for coming in and, uh, and speaking with us. So we'll start with uh, Quentin Miller first. Thank you. And again, thank you for having us. I want to bring a couple things to your attention. You know, when I've talked about how do we now do this community we, and I've asked the community to be there. So the election, and I do ask for people's votes, but I want to let you know that it's very important after November 6th, it's time to go to work. 
I've been saying I want my audio to match my video. In other words, if you're going to talk the talk, walk the walk. I'm the one that's been out there on the front line. I'm the one that knows what that walk looks like. So when I talk, I'm not talking from something that I may have read or heard. I'm talking about what I've experienced. So I also want you to know that the teachers associations, I've received an endorsement from them. Police Benevolent Group uh, Association re received an endorsement from them. So I have the teachers and law enforcement behind me. I want the community to stand up and be behind me. This again, it's not about Republicans and Democrats for me. It's about it's time for us to reunite our community. It's time for us to do what's right, treat all people with dignity and respect. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's about how do we change the mindset from that of warriors to guardians, from intimidators to protectors, and from this idea of this community of we. It's not me or us against each other, it's us together. So remember that a vote for me is a vote for the community of we. Thank you. Okay. Chat. I'd like to thank you guys both, all of you, for having us today. Uh, i tell you what, uh, this important, this election is so important this time. Uh, we got to get the people out to vote. Uh, by saying uh, a little rebuttal on what, what my opponent was talking about, uh, Buncombe County can't afford another financial train wreck. Guys, we've had them. And, and as a business owner, I know the first thing that I got to take care of before anything, there's two things you got to take care of. You got to take care of your finances and you got to take care of your people. Because either one of those will put you out of business. And I know this is not a business, but it has to be run like a business. It has to be run with accountability, transparency, and trust to the citizens. We owe them that. Um, we got to take care of our kids' future. This, this election, I'm asking you for, to vote for me for our kids' future, for our grandkids' future. Uh, we, must, we must take control of our drug epidemic. It's out of control here in Buncombe County. Um, the approach that we're taking on it right now is not working. Uh, we have to try something different. Uh, we must protect our kids in school. Guys, that, that's big. Uh, our kids are everything. They're our future. We've got to take care of them. And we must bridge community interaction. We have to make community interaction our number one. Uh, we're not going to know the problems that we have and how we're going to address them and how we're going to fix them until we get out into these communities and talk to these people. Uh, I think that's big community interaction, student interaction. All the interaction is going to be big. I am going to be a sheriff that it will have an open door policy that you will be able to reach very openly and speak. Uh, some of the decisions I might make might not be a popular decision, but they're a decision that I'm looking for the best interests of Buncombe County in our future and our kids' future. Uh, just remember on November 6th um, how important this election is. Go vote for, for your kids. It's worth it, guys. Get out and vote. Uh, we need the county to get out and vote. The city is going to vote. We have to get out and vote in the county uh, to offset this. Thank you for your time. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming in today, Casey, and the, and the Citizen Times. Thank you as well, and thank you for watching. Remember, early voting starts this Wednesday, Wednesday, October 17th, and runs through November 3rd. There are 11 early voting sites in Buncombe County. If you have not yet registered to vote, you can do so on the same day you go to vote during the early voting period. If you have not registered by now, you cannot vote on Election Day. Thank you again very much. Have a good evening.